0: Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are continuing our series entitled Character Sketch, and we will be taking a look at the Old Testament figure of Rahab. Our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew, will be leading us in our teaching. But first, we wanted to remind everyone that Easter is quickly approaching. To get all of the information regarding our services during Holy Week, I encourage you to check out ccgf.org slash Easter now. Here is Pastor Jamie with this week's message. Thank you for listening. I found it amusing this week uh, that when I was working on my sermon, I was studying and I was taking notes on my computer and typing when all of a sudden my computer died. And I have this place I work on my sermons and I'm in my my secret place, so to speak, and I look around and I start to panic going, well, my computer's dead. What do I do now? And as I'm sitting there panicking, I started to think, well, dummy, they must have written sermons before computers. So what did they do? And so I thought, "Ah, paper, I'll write it out on paper, and then I can get it figured out later. And I started looking around, and there's no paper anywhere where I'm at. But I look over, and out of the corner of my eye, God's funny, is my sketch pad. And so I grabbed my sketch pad, and I started to think, well, we're in a sermon series called Character Sketch. Why don't I just write my sermon uh, in my sketch pad? And so I did that, and I thought, for nostalgic sake, I'll just write it out the full way. And then I went back and read it and then realized that today, if I was trying to read my handwriting, we'd be talking about uh, some guy named Jerry Cho in the Wells, uh, and um, that uh, I would have a very hard time talking about rehab for 30 minutes. So, um, So we went back and we cleaned it up a little bit, but God's got a message for you today. I want you to think right now of yourself. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think of a mirror image of what you see when you look in the mirror and then I want you to think of the worst possible sin you've ever committed. And in your mind's eye, in bold lettering across the mirror, I want you to write that across the mirror. You know, as we or in this series, we're, we're talking about character sketches. And sometimes what we do as people, you can open your eyes now, unless you're sleeping, I don't want to disturb you. All right. You know, we're, we're in this thing called character sketch, and, and, and as an artist, when you're sketching something, it's very different than when you're doing a caricature. We love the caricature artists, don't we? When we go to the mall or the prom or whatever it is we do, we love sitting there and watching these people draw these cartooned versions of us. And, and so if you're an artist, you know this already, but a caricature is really just an over-exaggeration of the characteristics and quality that the artist sees. All right, And sometimes in Scripture, when we read about these characters, we love to draw caricatures of them instead of sketches. Now, sketching is the art form of literally taking what you see, uh, I used literally in the wrong spot there, but and then literally writing it or drawing it out so that what you see is what you put down. And so when we look at the life of David, sometimes we caricaturize him and say that David was the man after God's own heart, but we forget that he was an adulterer. We think of stories like Moses and we talk about how he led the people out of Egypt, but we forget to talk about the fact that he was a murderer. And so today, as we're sketching out these characters, we're continuing by talking about Rahab. And now, Rahab, uh, the Bible does a fantastic job of never letting us forget what she was. You see, when you get a label in the Bible, it sticks with you, doesn't it? I think about the label that we give to Doubting Thomas. You know, you say Thomas, and you would say it right back, the doubter. But when we talk about Rahab... Rahab is forever branded as the prostitute. But this morning, we're going to celebrate because we don't have a God that looks at who we are right now. We have a God that looks at who we're to become because of what he wants to make us into. Amen? So God, we love you. And again, we just speak to you. Speak through my heart. Speak through my lips right now. And let us hear what it is that you want to say through us, God. And so we love you and we thank you for the story of Rahab. And Lord, we pray that you would... Remind us that the identity that we have in this world is not our truest identity. So we love you, God, and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, when you go home today, you have homework, um, you cannot simply read the book of Joshua in chunks. You can't grab chapter 2 of Joshua and just read it because it's like watching 13 minutes of Star Wars and saying you saw the movie. You can't do that. You can't stop there. you got to watch the whole thing. And so I want to encourage you, whether you go home today and do it, or throughout the week. We talked about Joshua last week. We're going to talk about another portion of that story today. Read the whole saga, because it's absolutely incredible to see what God is doing in the lives of these people in this very interesting moment. Now, when you're painting a picture, or when you're drawing something, there's some rules to art. You have to start by working on the background first, then you move to what's called the middle ground, and then we move to the foreground, which is usually something a little extra for the person viewing the painting. So today, as we look at the life of Rahab, we're going to start in the background a little bit. Because you see, Rahab... Um, the story doesn't just start with her. The story starts all the way back with a guy named Moses. We know the story. Moses is told by God to be his mouthpiece, to lead the people out of captivity out of Egypt. And so he does so. They walk across the dry land on the Red Sea and then they wander around for a little bit. A little bit, 40 years, it's a long time. They wander around and then Moses is promised by God that he will be given a land. And so as he leads the people of Israel, Moses grows old, he's about to die. He grabs this younger guy Joshua and he says Joshua I want you to take on the mantle of leadership God will go with you he will go before you he will come in behind you and all you simply have to do is be strong and courageous and listen to what God says to you and so Joshua is given this mantle of leadership Moses dies and Joshua hears something he hears God calling to him and God basically says Joshua I want to have a meeting with you Because I made a promise to the people of Israel that I would lead them out of captivity and I would deliver them to a land and Joshua would soon have his Moses moment. Because we love to talk about Moses walking across the dry land of the Red Sea, but we oftentimes forget that Joshua did the same thing at the Jordan River. Did you know that? That wasn't God's only one time trick. God did it twice, and the nations of Israel set twelve stones to remind them of God's deliverance, and then eventually Joshua would march across the dry land of the Jordan and he would conquer the land that God promised them. But we're not there yet. Because you see, Joshua is having a meeting with God, and God says to him, Joshua, I've made your people a promise. I promised you a land. I made you a promise that I would protect you when you go battle for this land. I made you a promise that you will have a victory. And everybody loves knowing that they're going to win, right? It's easy to jump on board of that ship. But God says, I promised you a land. I promised you protection. I promised you a victory. And I promise you, I will be present. And so Joshua has nothing to worry about, right? Except for the whole entire nation of Israel following him. Joshua's in a moment where he has to trust in God. He has to do what? Be strong and be courageous. See, God says, I will give you a land. I will give you protection. I will give you victory. I will be present. And, and with this, your vic- the victory will be yours. And, and, and all you got to do is be obedient to me. So Joshua, by his obedience to God, demonstrates trust in the Lord. He demonstrates faith in God. And because of that faith, that faith drives Joshua to take action. You see, church, if you claim to be a believer in something, you should be mobile in that something. If you believe that you are a Christian, then your life should reflect that. And Joshua is saying, I believe and I love Yahweh, I follow God. And because of that, Joshua takes on this mantle of leadership and now he has a requirement. God, listen, God doesn't need Joshua to win this battle. In fact, when we look at the battle of Jericho, the Jews just showed up and watched God work. But Joshua was going to be obedient. He was going to allow his faith to move him to action. And Joshua sent out spies into the land. He sent these spies out because every military commander wants to know what he's walking into. They've already got the victory. The battle belongs to them, but God has invited Joshua and his people to be a part of it. Do you hear me, church? Your faith needs to reflect itself in the work that we're working on. So Joshua goes out, or he sends out the spies. The spies come to Jericho. Joshua tells the spies, I want you to pay particularly close attention to Jericho because you see, Jericho is a city-state in this land. A city-state, if you don't know, is basically a city that is basically its own country. It has a king who sits over that. And Jericho was a particularly fortified city within the land in that in the, the, the God's people were going to uh, conquer. It was a city that had double walls. And within those double walls, there's there's the outer wall which protects the city. Then there's a gap in the wall. And then there's the inner wall. And what happens in that gap on top at a certain height... People would, be, they would build houses, they would build shops, they would build different venues. Because you see, if the city was invaded and the outer wall was breached, they could remove the floors of these shops and these homes and they could pummel the enemy as they tried to break through the second wall. Makes sense, right? See, within these walls, people lived. And the Word of God tells us that Rahab, the prostitute, the entrepreneur, set up shop along the city walls. Near a gate. As a, as a prostitute, Rahab's business was interesting because people would come into the city and they would make that their first stop. And so as our story unfolds, this is not an uncommon sight that's, that's happening, but you see the people of Israel are, are moving across the land, they've defeated the Egyptians, they walked across the dry land of the Red Sea, they have a reputation that is marching miles ahead of them, and so as the nation of Israel grows closer and closer to the land that God has promised them, people are beginning to hear the message of who they are. And not only are they hearing the message of who God's people are, they're becoming afraid rahab is an information hub because if all the men traveling from outside of town are making a stop at her place she's hearing all kinds of things and something that she's hearing on the mouths of most of these guys stopping by is did you hear about these jews that are coming this way the nation of israel was on the move their god is no joke And so Rahab is faced with a decision when she recognizes that two men of Israel have now showed up into her city. She knows what this means. She knows that they're spies. And so Rahab has this moment of clarity that she has to make a decision. Is she going to cling to the city that is about to die? Or is she going to cling to something that is bigger than that? And we have this beautiful story that unfolds in Joshua 2. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open it to Joshua 2. I'm going to start, uh, and, and again, just recapping this story. Because you see Rahab, these men, these spies, they walk into the home of Rahab so they can hide, so they can be unseen, and Rahab catches on to what's going on. The king in Jericho has an idea. He, someone comes to him and says, hey, we just saw two spies go into Rahab's house. And Jericho, instead of repenting and turning towards God, they lock their city down and they hold on to the little bit of earth that they have. And so the king sends some messengers over to Rahab's house and they ask her the simple question, where are those two men that just showed up? She gives a very simple deception. She says, I don't really know. They were here and and they're gone now. They left right before the, the gate closed. And if you hurry up, maybe you'll catch them. Now, you see, as a preacher, we hate this verse (laughs) because it appears that she's being praised for a lie. Technically, she sinned. But I want you to know she's a woman figuring out her faith in this very moment. You are watching real time the struggle for a woman's heart because when Rahab makes the decision to deceive her king, she is basically saying, you are no longer my king. I have heard the message of the God of the Jews, this powerful almighty God, and by turning away the king's messengers, she's now aligned herself with a culture that is different than what she grew up in. She has now associated herself with the nation of Israel instead of the the dying city of Jericho. In this moment, Rahab makes one of the most awkward professions of faith we have ever seen. She deceives them. She confesses in a moment here, in a beautiful way, because after she sends the spies out and she knows that the, after she sends the king's men out, she knows the spies are safe. She goes upstairs. And she begins to speak to the spies who were in her home. It says this in verse 8, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God, catch this, for the Lord your God is God. Do you hear that? Rahab in this moment is proclaiming that the king of Jericho is not her king. She's saying the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. She has this crisis of faith, this come to Jesus moment, there in her home, and she asks the people, the, the, these spies, if they will show kindness to her. Now, if you just read that, you'll miss something absolutely amazing, something powerful, and something very beautiful. So I'm gonna stop for a moment, and we're gonna, we're gonna do a little shading on our sketch. Because you see, when she uses the word kindness, that word kindness in the original language, yes, is interpreted kindness, but it's a different type of kindness, you see? Because the Hebrew word used here is the word hesed. The word hesed is a covenantal love. It's a covering. It's a legal agreement that God makes with the people to cover them. Most of the time in Scripture, when this word is interpreted, it is interpreted as the words loving kindness. It is your loving kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. You ever heard that before? Hesed. And what's happening is when she tells these people of Israel, she says, I would like to be under the covering of God. She's proclaiming, I want to follow your God. I want your God to be my God. And when the walls of Jericho and the world around me is crumbling, I want to be under the umbrella of God. Listen to me, church. I love the way Tony Evans says it when he says this, talking about Hesed. Just because you're covered under the umbrella of God doesn't mean it ain't going to rain. Jericho is about to be judged. And in this moment, in this dark night of the soul, if you will, Rahab comes to this realization she can cling to something that's going to lead her to death or she can find and cling to something that's going to lead her to life. And she chooses life. We call her Rahab the prostitute. The Bible loves reminding us of those labels that we were once given. But there's a reason for it. Because you see, in this moment when this prostitute confesses with her mouth that God is God, she is shown grace, she is shown mercy, and the men of Israel say, surely it will be done this way. As long as you don't tell anybody about our plans, you don't speak to anybody about why we were here, you will be spared. And she says, well, don't just spare me, spare my family. And they say, it will be so. But if they're caught outside when the battle comes and they die, that's on them, not us. So they give her this they say there's a cord, there's this cord up on the roof, it's a red cord, and they say, hang this outside of your window to identify this place along the wall. See, the word of God tells us that her house was built into the wall, and so what happens is, is once the, the the king's men who came to capture the spies have gone out looking for them, she then ca- allows her faith to move her to action, and Rahab then helps these men escape Jericho safely, and she says, I want you to go up into the hills, I want you to wait for three days, and after three days, You go back and you tell Joshua what's going on. And so not only did she proclaim with her mouth that she believed in the one true God, she allowed her faith to well up her trust in the Lord so much that she now became a part of the conquering of Jericho. Her faith, her trust in God drove her to action. Where's your faith at, church? Are you simply a covert operative for the Lord? who has faith, who loves being under the hessed of God, but that faith does not lead you to action? See, the Bible tells us a lot about that. Rahab is a great example of that because you see Rahab, her faith led to action. And Rahab, the prostitute, Rahab was a what? Say it. They don't want you to forget. She was a prostitute. But you know what's amazing In the book of Hebrews 11, it's the book of faith. We call it the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faithful people. In Hebrews 11, as we're learning about all these people of faith, there's a familiar face, there's a familiar name that shows up. And I still laugh because we can't utter her name in Scripture without being reminded of what she does. But in in verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith... The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. It says there in Hebrews 11 that she welcomed them in, and now she's being used, this prostitute, this Gentile prostitute is being used as an example of faith. She changed her identity to who God says she was. And then in the book of James, chapter 2, Verses 14, it says these words here. I think we have those for you. And if not, I'll just read them. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about this physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. It's dead. Jump down to verse 25. We see an example that is laid out for us of this faith. And in the same way, was not even Rahab. Guess what they're going to say next? The prostitutes considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and then sent them out a different direction. See, in Hebrews 11.1, they focus on her receiving the people of God. And now here in James, they focus on her now taking action and sending the people of God safely out. Rahab had this conversion experience. She put her faith and she put her trust in God. She's now rewarded by being mentioned in the hall of faith. She's reward. What a blessing it is for us. We're rewarded by seeing her as this woman of character, this woman of true trust in God. But the story doesn't end there. You see, in Romans 10, 9, 13, 10, 9 through 13, it tells us something pretty neat. It basically says to us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you believe, you're saved. And if you are truly a believer, you're going to profess the words of God. Your faith should lead to action. When you put your trust in the Lord, you're going to be working with his people. Rahab showed belief by receiving these men. She demonstrated faith by sending them out safely. Rahab no longer is the prostitute of Jericho. She is the liberated woman of God. You know, what's interesting is Rahab's rewarded yet again. Because you see, Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, he did not simply come to earth for the Jews. He came to earth for all of us. And I want to invite you to turn to Matthew 1 with me right now. This is a probably one of the most skipped over portions of Scripture. Because we hate reading lineages, don't we? <laughs> This person begot this person. This person begot this person. By the end of it, you're singing Scat Man. You don't even know what you're doing. But I want to encourage you to stop the next time you come to a genealogy and read it. Because within this genealogy, we see something epic and fantastic. We see the grace of God. We see the mercy of God. And we see the love of God. We see good parenting. We see some incredible stories because it says this in verse 5, one It says, Salmon, it looks like salmon to me, but it's Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Okay? What this lineage is, this is the lineage of Jesus Christ the legal lineage of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, great, 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 great grandmother, was a Gentile prostitute. She was broken, full of sin, but God did not identify with where she was at when she met the Lord. God took her and cleaned her up and made her into what He wanted her to be, a woman of faith who would become a part of the greatest and most epic story the world will ever know. The reason why the pages of Scripture remind us that Rahab was a is not because they're identifying her as a prostitute, because the Bible wants to remind us of what she overcame through God. That label that you put on your face at the beginning of this service, that is not who you are. That is the wall of Jericho that God defeated in your life. Amen. Rahab sets an example of faith because she doesn't get stuck in who she was, but she becomes the, the wife of a man named Salmon. Now, who is Salmon? He's only mentioned briefly in the Bible, but I'll say this. He's a man of Israel. He's actually one of the founding fathers of some of the cities of Israel, a particular city. Salmon was an upright, uh, Jew who took upon himself this Gentile prostitute. Salmon was a redeemer of women. This is important. Salmon redeemed Rahab by taking her as his wife. Now, who was Salmon? Salmon was the founder of a little town called Bethlehem. You see, this isn't God a good writer. I mean, he wrote this thing so good, it gets so much better because listen to who their kid was. I'm the family pastor here, and this is family ministry right here. We just talked about it. Parents, you are the biggest influence in the life of your kid. Salmon was the father of Boaz. And who is Boaz? Man, this is so good. I can't make this stuff up. Boaz is the one who redeems Ruth. He saw his father redeem his mother. And so when it came time for him to step up and be a man, Boaz himself redeemed Ruth. And that beautiful legacy of God doing awesome things continued. Do you see it, dads? Your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching you just as Boaz was watching Salmon and Rahab and their relationship. It continues on by saying this, that Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, and the father uh, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother, and it continues on, but catch this, this whore of a Gentile is part of Jesus' lineage. She was broken, lost, abused. She didn't get stuck in it. She became a part of the greatest story that will ever be told. I know I said that already. But do you get the significance of that? Because when you're afforded the opportunity to come under the hesit of God, when God says, I'll send my son so that you can be saved, God, like Rahab, is asking you to put your faith in him. And when you put your faith in him, you become a part of the biggest story ever written that there ever will be as well because Jesus says, I will adopt you into my family, Jew or Gentile. I don't care if you were a hoe, a drug dealer, an alcoholic. I don't care what you were, what you did, because I'm going to make you into something beautiful. Do you believe that, labeled people this morning? Yeah. Jericho crumbles around Rahab, but her family spared because she decided to not associate herself with a culture with a citizenship she decided to follow God this morning i ask you these simple questions are you are you surrounding yourself with the walls of your jericho are you living according to the labels that have been put on you or do you want to be free you want to become a part of the best story that there ever was? The story that we've been promised from the time of Joshua, from the time of Moses, from the very beginning, the story that leads to victory. God is going to be with us. He's going to fight the battles for it. All we have to do is be obedient to what He's calling us to and what He's calling us to is submission to Him, that we confess Him as our Lord and that we go out and tell people the story. That's it. That doesn't sound so hard, does it, church? Where's your faith? That you believe like Rahab believed? Father, we love you. We praise you for the testimony of Rahab. We praise you, Lord, that you, you dig through the broken things and you fix them. You don't just see people like Rahab and myself as people who are unlovable, discarded things that need swept into the fire. But unfairly, God, you provided a way for us to have salvation. You offered that hesed, that loving kindness. You offered to bring us under your umbrella. And Lord, it doesn't mean everything on this life is going to be easy, because it is going to rain. But we thank you for that umbrella of your love. Help us to have a faith that is moved to action. and Lord, for those in here this morning that maybe are still living in Jericho and they don't even know what we're talking about, they just know that they feel heavy, that they're afraid, God, I pray that you would encourage them to come talk to myself or or one of the people they see up here, Lord. Because we know that you desire to have a relationship with them. That you want to set them free from the walls of Jericho. So God, be with all of us today. Convict our hearts, and may our faith lead to action. We thank you, Lord, for Rahab, the prostitute. All of God's people said, Amen.